Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons. Let me just quickly just go into the message. Uh, Paul David Tripp in his book, The Age of Opportunity, he writes this. Spiritual warfare makes us think of demon possession, horrific demonstrations of satanic control, and dramatic exorcisms. But scripture presents spiritual warfare not as the violent, bizarre end of Christian life, but as what the Christian life is. And I thought this was so appropriate because when you think about this topic of spiritual warfare, a lot of times we make it very mystical. But one of the things that we have to remember is that this is a normal part of being a follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, we live in a spiritual realm, and in the book of Ephesians it talks about that, that we, we don't fight just against flesh and blood of what we see, but it's against the principalities and the things of this world and things that we cannot see, uh, the good versus evil and God and the demonic forces. And this is the reason why that we have to understand that as as soon as you become a follower of Jesus Christ, there is an onslaught of attacks on us as followers because Satan and all his demonic forces are not excited that you crossed over from darkness into the marvelous light of Jesus Christ. And so that's why as we think about some of the difficult times uh, that we're facing right now, as we think about some of the things we've gone through in the past, a lot of hurt, maybe some of these things that cause our hearts to be very bitter, all these things I believe sometimes Satan uses to hinder us from being the person that God wants us to be. And so today I want to talk a lot about what it means to trust in God, depend on Him, and to really live victoriously every single day of our lives, especially as we anticipate and we know for sure there will be other difficult things that will come our way. So the one thing is very simple, is simply this, that we must fight with God's might. So can you say that after me? Let's just say that together. We must fight with God's might. I want you to now turn to one person next to you and let them know. Will you do that? We must fight with God's might. Amen. I'm going to quickly talk about two things here of how it's important that we fight this fight that we're in, the spiritual war, that we fight it with God's might. The first thing is this. We must stay focused. In order to fight with God's might, we have to stay focused. I'm going to go ahead and read the first three, four verses, starting from verse 8. And like I said, we're going to finish off this whole book today. So we're going to cover from verse 8 through 14. But let me just first read 8 through 11. Listen to what the Word of God says. It says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. The the thing that I want to highlight for us as we think about staying focused is that trying to connect everything that we've been talking about even last week. If you look a little bit earlier, we talked about the importance of 
humility and how that plays a part in being able to go through sometimes suffering or difficulties and things in our lives. And now after talking about humility, he goes into this topic of spiritual warfare. So the question for us is this, how can we stay focused so that we can defeat the enemy and live victoriously? So let me just quickly highlight the three things that we see in verse 8 through 11 to stay focused. The first thing, in order to stay focused and fight this fight with God's might, is that we do it by recognizing our enemy. As we read in verse 8, Peter starts off by giving a a twofold command. He says to be sober-minded and being very watchful. Now, let me read that verse in the New International Version, the NIV, and this is what it says. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So as we face spiritual warfare, we have to remember that it's an exercise of self-control. And we have to have the strong sense of alertness. If, if we're not aware and we're not being alert, we're not able to see the situation and what's happening around us, then it is going to be very easy for us to lose this fight in trying to overcome in the spiritual warfare. Now, can I just say this? I think something that we've been teaching a lot in our church is that we have to avoid the two extremes. What are the two extremes? I think one of the extremes that I see quite often is that uh, we, we take Satan and spiritual warfare very lightly. In fact, some of us might even dismiss it. And I think that's a very big danger within the church that the Bible talks about it, the Bible teaches on it. And some of us who have been experienced enough around this world, you'll realize that there are a lot of spiritual things that happens to a person. Now, the other extreme is that everything is spiritual warfare. And so you feel a stomach ache coming, and you're not feeling good, and you're like, the devil's here. No, you just ate too much mala food, and it's not helping you. And so we need a good balance to not go to any of the extremes, but to understand that we cannot take Satan lightly, but yet we don't have to be afraid and almost in many ways make everything out to be spiritual warfare. And so there are several things that I want you to note here is that there are many different words to describe Satan. But you will notice here that Peter uses the word adversary, and the devil. Now, why is this important? Because the word adversary has a connotation of an opponent in a court of law or a court of justice. And the word devil means the accuser or the slanderer, which comes from this root word, which is important to understand. It has this idea in the root word. It means strike, striking through or to stab. So that's a very powerful image that every single time one of the things that Satan loves to do is that he loves to stab and strike through into our very core of who we are and our identity. And that's what he's constantly doing. He's slandering us. He's accusing us. And he is our adversary. He is our opponent. And we have to understand it in that way. Now, Satan's main weapon to use against believers is through deceptions and lies. And we'll see this time and time again. John chapter 8 verse 44 in the ESV it says this, 
And please read the yellow highlighted uh, out loud with me. It says this. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. So this is his main weapon in order for him to come against us is that he used deception and lies because he is the father of lies. Now, the imagery of a roaring lion helps us to also understand that not only is he an adversary and an accuser, but he's fierce. If you ever see some of those videos of these lions attacking their prey, it's, it's pretty fierce as they crouch really low and they wait until the prey is not even looking and he jumps out and he ends up killing the prey. You'll notice that the lion is very patient and he's seeking for an opportunity to strike. And I think for many of us, it is easy to be scared and we get paralyzed. But that's not the reason why Peter was mentioning this in the closing of this letter. He was reminding us that we, we should not be afraid. But that's why we have to put our trust in God and God alone, who's the only one who can strengthen us. But we have to first recognize who our enemy is. I love what A.W. Tozer said in his book, God's uh, Greatest Gift to Man. He writes this, I'm not afraid of the devil. The devil can handle me. He's got judo I've never heard of, but he can't handle the one to whom I'm joined. He can't handle the one to whom I'm united. He can't handle the one whose nature dwells in my nature. What a great reminder. On our own strength and our own power, he will do a judo move that you have never seen. But with Christ who is in us, living in us, that we're abiding in him, that's how we're able to overcome. The second thing that I want you to notice here as we talk about how to stay focused, especially if we're going to fight this fight with God's might. It's not only recognizing our enemy, but the second thing that we'll see here in this passage is by resisting the enemy. If you look at verse 9, once again, Peter says to resist the devil, to resist him. Now, the apostle Peter reminds us that this fight cannot be fought passively. You cannot just sit there and somehow believe that God will take care of everything. That is not really trust, and that's not really dependence on God. In fact, the word resist is tied in with being firm in our faith. So it's something that we have to stand against, but then also being planted deeply and firmly in the faith that we have in Jesus Christ. The passage that I was referring to earlier in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 17 there's some key words that are very uh, active instead of passive. Uh, you don't have to turn to that passage, but just listen to some of the key words. As Paul, the Apostle Paul, was talking to the people of Ephesus because there was a lot of spiritual warfare because there were so many gods that they were sacrificing to. And because of that, he mentions very clearly that we have to put on the full armor of God. So listen to some of the active phrases that the apostle Paul makes, uh, such action verbs. He says this, be strong. 
he says, put on or to take up and to stand. These are all action verbs where we cannot stay passive. We are resisting actively the enemy. That's why when we resist with God's strength, not our own strength, but God's strength, Satan will have to flee. We see this in James chapter 4, verse 7. And listen to what it says. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil. So we see that phrase again, resisting the devil. It is not passive, but it's active. And it says, and he will flee from you. But as you know, the reality is that fighting a fight by ourselves and doing it with other people is so different. That's why I think I really enjoy doing things uh, with teams, with other people. That's why I've never gotten into those sports where it's just one person sport. Some of you might have, but I've always enjoyed playing sports as a team with other people where you have to rely upon them and they have to rely upon you. And one of the things you will notice as you think about this verse in verse 9, after he says resist and stand firm in the faith, he mentions about other believers around the world who are going through the same kind of suffering as they are. I thought that was very powerful. That is, he says, do your part of resisting, standing firm in the faith. And then he sends a reminder that there are other people who are suffering with the same kind of suffering as you're going through. And that is very encouraging, knowing that you're not the only one going through what you're going through. Can I just encourage some of us? I know that there might be some of you who are watching this video right now. And I don't know what you have gone through in your life. I don't know what you have faced in your life. I'm sure some of you have gone through some very difficult things, painful things. Some of you are right now in the midst of it. And I think what Satan loves to whisper in your ear is to simply say, you're all alone. No one understands. God doesn't even care. And I want to say to you with 100% conviction, that is a lie from the evil one. I want you to understand that there are other people who have probably gone through some of the things that you're facing right now. And a lot of times we don't know that because we're not sharing vulnerably with one another. And that's the plan of Satan. He loves to isolate people so there won't be any interaction. Because can you imagine two people who have gone through the same thing in their lives and one person shares vulnerably? bridges the two islands together and they begin to then say oh you went through that too yes and this is kind of how i'm struggling through with this and once they begin to see that they're not alone there's power in that and that's exactly what the apostle peter was doing so once again we're talking about how to stay focused because if you're going to fight this fight with god's might you got to stay focused and in order to stay focused because there is a spiritual war that's going on you're going to have to recognize the enemy and you're going to have to resist the enemy the third thing in order to stay focused that we see in verse 10 as we read is that we have to we we stay focused by redirecting our minds so recognize the enemy and then from there you got to resist the enemy and then you got to redirect your mind when you go through suffering or hardships, all of us in this room, we have to go through this process of pers- uh, perspective. We need perspective 
in our lives. Peter tells the believers that the suffering will be for a little while in verse 10. But that it's going to be God and by his grace, only by his grace, that he reminds us of the eternal life that we have in Jesus. This is very important. Because every single time we go through some difficulties or we're in the midst of some spiritual war that's going on and we're experiencing that, what Peter is saying is for a little while, in light of eternity. It might seem that it's been so long. This happened to me when I was seven years old. or I went through this when I was younger. But to realize that in light of eternity, that it's just a little frame of your life and God is going to somehow redeem that and to use that And so that's why he says, what you're going through is only for a little while. And then he mentions about God's grace. And that's how we're going to overcome. That's perspective. Not by necessarily you doing X, Y, Z, but it's by the grace of God that even enables you to respond. And then we see it's about having this eternal perspective, eternal life in Christ. Now, I want you to also note in verse 10, That when you have this kind of mindset, the perspective, that is for a little while in light of eternity, then you will see God, and there are four things that it says your God is doing. Restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish. The things that you're going through right now, God is going to use it because he's victorious. He conquered the death and grave. Because of that, that's going to make us stronger, and it is something that God is going to do. We cannot restore ourselves. We're not confirming or strengthening or even establishing ourselves. It's God who does that by his grace. So here's Peter. What a great reminder. You want to fight this fight? Then you got to stay focused because you're in a war. And because of that, you got to realize you got to first recognize the enemy. You get then you have to resist him, active, not something you just kind of sit back. You got to actively resist him, and then here redirecting our minds to have that eternal perspective. And it's God and His grace that enables us to do that. I love how he closed out this section with verse eleven. Peter points everything back to God, who is who God is, and also to his power. Did you notice the word dominion in verse 11? That word dominion is translated as might or the might of God, which is a reference to his power. Now, I don't know how many of you were here in Hong Kong, but several years ago, we had a typhoon that was category or T10. And I remember, I mean, this is just a confession. I remember uh, coming to Hong Kong, and those of you who might not know, I'm from the Windy City, which is uh, Chicago, back in the United States. And there's a reason why they call it a Windy City. I mean, it's very windy, very cold during the winter. So I remember coming to Hong Kong, and I think it was, it might have been like a T5, T6 or so, and everybody in Hong Kong started freaking out. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, what is your problem? This is nothing. Like, this is not even, like, bad compared to Chicago. So I think just out of my own pride, I was just thinking, man, we have a bunch of 
wimps here in Hong Kong, you know. I, please forgive me, but that, I was thinking this. Like, I need to bring you to Chicago. And then when the typhoon came and it was T10, uh, I was at a personal retreat and everything just shut down. We're talking about things where like windows were shaking, buildings were rocking. And after it all simmered down, uh, when I walked outside, there were trees. Like we're talking about big trees with big trunks and big branches. They were all on the ground. So that's when I realized, wow, like when it gets to about T8, T9, and definitely T10, now I understand why they say it's so dangerous. But the thing that I want to share about that was there was that time when I was in the uh, room, in one of the rooms, and I had an opportunity to just take a video of it because the wind was blowing so loud and very hard. It was raining. And I was just watching this, and I just realized that there was so much power just from a T10 typhoon. And I was thinking, that is nothing compared to the power of God. And I'm wondering, when you think about a T10 typhoon that comes in and destroys a city at times and uplifts everything, trees, uproots it, if God's power is that much more powerful, not only is he able to stand with you and resist the evil one but whatever you've gone through that causes a lot of the spiritual warfare to happen within your own heart and your mind is God's power strong enough to do that that's why I love Jude verse 24 and 25 and read that yellow section with me it says this now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. So we were reminded once again, it's God's dominion, his power, his might. But the part that I like the most, it says, to him who is able. He's able to keep you from stumbling, to keep you from falling. It's not you. It's not how well you do your soap or how well you pray or how well you try to live a holy life. It's God. Because what we will realize is we don't have strength. We don't have the power. There's nothing good in us. But it's God that we're connected to that enables us to stay focused and to overcome. How about us this morning? Do you recognize the spiritual battle that is present in your lives right now? I'm just wondering if it's even beyond your life and the things that are happening around the world. That Satan's using some of the fear. He's using some of the different losses that people have experienced to cause people to be maybe doubtful or even just cynical towards things. If there's ever a time the people of God need, that we need to rise up is right now. And I pray that we'll be able to do that. I'm wondering, have you been trying to resist Satan on your own strength or the power of the strength that God provides? What we wanted to do as we have done in the last couple of weeks is we want to provide a time for some huddle groups. I know some of you are watching on your own. 
what I would encourage you to do is to still stay in the stream uh, as the Spirit is trying to speak to you, is to maybe look at those questions and kind of reflect, maybe journal, write some things down, or type some things up where it'll help you to process, because this is where the Holy Spirit will do His work and speak to you. But the reason why some of you who are gathered in smaller clusters of three, four, or how many people are gathered, that the thing that we enjoy is for us to be able to come together in smaller huddle groups and to share. I know some life groups are going to get into Zooms uh, and have a separate conversation and all these break out, and I think that's great. So uh, this will help us to kind of process this whole idea of staying focused, recognizing the enemy, resisting the enemy, and redirecting and reorienting our minds so that we can stay focused and to overcome. So we'll give you about six to seven minutes. So we don't have much time. So if we could do it fairly quickly, just jump right into it, and then we'll come back and finish off with the second point. So have a great time. Hopefully you had a good time to go over some of the questions there. Uh, We're just going to try to move along as quickly as we can because we want to try to finish on time. Uh, Once again, since it was our fault, we want to make sure that we honor your time in that way. So uh, as I mentioned, uh, we got to fight this fight with God's might. And it's important that we stay focused because if we're not focused, then we're not going to be able to fight the fight that God wants us to fight. The second point that I want to mention is that we must not only stay focused, but we must stand firm. I'm going to read verse 12 through 14 and close out 1 Peter. It says, By Silvanus, a faithful brother as I regard him, I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. Let me say that phrase again. It says, stand firm in it. She who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings, and so does Mark, my son. Greet one another with the kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. The apostle Peter closes out this whole letter by mentioning that there were certain people that he actually called out by name. Now, the first person that we see here is Silvanus. And if you understand and you've studied, uh, that name is very similar to Silas, who, if you know anything in the book of Acts, he traveled with the Apostle Paul on his second missionary journey. And so most commentators and scholars, they believe that he was referencing to Silas, probably more of a shortened name of Silvanus. You will also notice there's a mention of Mark, and many people have agreed that this is probably John Mark, who was traveling with Paul in one of his earlier journeys, but then he deserted Paul, and what happened was that Barnabas ended up taking him. Paul says, this guy failed me, and so I don't want him to be a part of my team in my next journey. And so what we notice here, and you'll see it in other portions of scripture, that even though John Mark might have deserted Jesus or deserted Paul when Paul needed him the most, later on Paul says to bring John Mark over because he's very useful in the ministry, which indicates 
that there was a transformation of his own heart, both for Paul and for John Mark. So why is it important that Peter is mentioning John Mark here? It's because once again, what mistakes that we've made in the past might have hindered you in the current situation, but by the grace of God, if you would stand firm in what you know and what God has been speaking to you about in the truth, God could turn those things around. And that's why the believers here are encouraged to stand firm in God's grace. I want to just pause here and just kind of expound a little bit about standing firm in God's grace. Now, many of us will understand that even salvation, the work of God of bringing forth salvation in our lives is by God's grace alone. The Bible talks about this, that it is a gift of God, not something that we earn or something that we do, but God freely gave us the gift of salvation so that no one can boast. And we can only boast about God and God alone. But this is where I think so many followers of Jesus Christ, that's the extent of God's grace upon their lives. That God, in His grace, saved them. One of the things that I want us to understand is that it is not just the point of justification where you're saved, you're, you're made right with God. But it's even in the process of sanctification where you need God's grace. And everything that we do in our lives is by the grace of God. Us standing here, breathing, that's by the grace of God. Even as you go to work, if you still have a job, that's by the grace of God. If you're able to do certain things that other people might not have been able to do, that is by the grace of God. It is not because you're smart or you're talented. Maybe on the earthly sense that those things will give you a little bit of an edge. But we have to understand that without God and his grace in our lives, we cannot do anything. And that's why Peter, as he closes out this letter, he tells the believers to stand firm. To stand firm in what? He says, stand firm in it. To stand firm in that trueness of the grace of God. That is what established the foundation for your faith. That is the thing that will help you to carry you through, even growing in holiness. It's not because you're such a good person, but that's because of the grace of God. When you're tempted and you don't give in, it's not because you have such great willpower or self-control. It's by the grace of God. I don't know how many times, there were times when I know that I did not accomplish or do things on my own wisdom or strength. Because there were moments when no matter how much I tried, it would not have happened. But because in that moment, I felt this special anointing from God that it was like God's grace being poured out upon my life that I was able to do any of these things. I'm wondering what would happen if every single person in our church had that kind of understanding. That the grace of God that actually saved us from hell It's the same grace that will sustain us in living this Christian life and even going through suffering and difficulties that we're facing. What would happen? Not only would we stand in it, but we'll be planted deeply in it. And so that when the winds and the waves and all the torrent of Satan's accusations and lies that he will put our way, we will not be tossed around like the shifting shadows or the winds being blown here and there, but we will stand firm like an anchor being rooted 
so that no matter what happens, we know what God has called us to do. That's why you will notice here when Peter is saying that the grace of God was something that he was exhorting and declaring. The word exhorting can be translated as encouraging or appealing. The word declaring can be translated as testifying or bearing witness. So that's what Peter is saying is that as you experience more of this grace in your life, especially when you're suffering, especially when you're going through hardships, and God gives you that extra grace to go through it, to have that kind of perspective, to still love people when you don't want to love people, to be able to overcome your fear, to be able to say, God, I don't have courage within myself, but you're giving me this incredible courage to obey you, even at the expense of forsaking the things or even people that I might love, because I want to love you more than anyone else or anything else in this world. That is purely because of the grace of God. And what you're doing is you're testifying. You're bearing witness to who God is. And that's why we must stand on God's grace and grace alone. But please don't forget, Satan will do everything possible to kill, steal, and to destroy. And because of that, we have to not only stand in his grace, but we have to be that much more dependent. I like what Timothy Warner in his book, Spiritual Warfare, listen to what he says. Satan and his demons know what fleshly parts of us are especially vulnerable. And they use the stimuli of the world around us to arouse sinful thoughts in us. The devil would be a fool not to try to take advantage of the world and the flesh in his arm, in his aim to destroy us. What he's saying is that Satan is not only a crafty person, but he knows those areas of weakness. That's why he will use the things of the flesh, the things of this world, and he will go exactly where you're weak. And one of the things I tell people is that if some of you probably have ever hiked in Hong Kong, is that it's not so much the ascent going up, but it's on the descent when you're going down where most people get injured. Because when you're going up, you're focused. You want to get to that peak. You want to get to that top part of the mountain. But once you've experienced the peak, then all of a sudden you're going down and some of them have rugged roads and with big rocks and that's easier to get injured in that way. I feel like that's the same way with our spiritual lives. A lot of times when we experience a great high, a spiritual high, It could be from maybe possibly a gathering that we've been to. Maybe it's just you had a really strong encounter with God. A lot of times, instead of being that much more alert, we tend to then just put everything down. And that's when it's easy for Satan to come in and attack us. So I want to encourage us to keep that in mind. So how about us? Are are you learning the importance of depending on God's grace? Uh, When you try to stand firm in it, the grace of God, uh, are, are you trying to do things on your own strength instead of on the strength that God has given us? So we must stand firm. So the one thing, once again, is that we must fight with God's might. I'm going to just go into some quick next steps. And uh, one of the things that I want to be very clear is the reason why we give next steps 
is that we believe that just listening to the word or studying the word and then you don't follow through on it, just like the writer of James talks about that, you're like that person that looks in the mirror and walk away from, and you walk away from it and you forget what you look like. Those people who turned a corner, maybe you've been going on this and you've been struggling to ch- kind of see your life change. A lot of times it's because you're not taking God's word, the principles, and then living it out and then turning that corner. So it takes, once again, the grace of God to enable you to do that. But we have to at least do our part. So I want to encourage us with some things, especially as we talked about spiritual warfare. The first thing is this, prepare for battle. Whatever it takes that we need to prepare for battle. That might be just having greater awareness in our minds to say, get up in the morning and I need to be prepared and ready that there may be an onslaught. Some of you have to really be a little bit more aware of what your situation is. Some of us might be feeling lonely. And those are the times when Satan will come in and he will tempt you with different things. Or some of us who struggle with whether it's people-pleasing or maybe it might be as simple as an identity that is secure in Christ. You're struggling to develop that. So it's about what other people say about you. Some negative thoughts that you have in your mind. That's why you have to prepare yourself every single morning. And you could even say a phrase, whatever it takes for you to prepare mentally to say, I'm going to go into battle. The second thing is pay attention. Pay attention to your life. Pay attention to the surroundings around you. Because you know that when you put yourself in that situation, you're going to continue to fall. And so if you're not paying attention, then it's easy to jump right back into it and be defeated and get discouraged. Also, as I mentioned, be careful when you're on a spiritual high. That's when Satan will try to wait until you put your guards down and he'll come at you. Even sometimes it might be a failure moment where your identity is shaken up. And so sometimes he sees that vulnerability and like a roaring lion, he prowls around, he waits for that and he will jump on that. So pay attention to yourself, to the situation around you. The third thing is plant God's truths into your life. Plant the truth, the word of God into your life. It might come in the form of memorizing scripture. It might come in the form of memorizing certain phrases that you say to yourself to remind you of who you are and whose you are in the sense of who owns you. And that's God. He loves you. And therefore, we have to plant God's truth in our minds. because It's a battle for the mind. We have to win that. And the fourth and last one is pray to overcome. I love what Derek Prime and Alistair Begg in their book said uh, on being a pastor. It's a very simple quote. He says this, the primary way to overcome Satan is on our knees. How true is that? You could try to do all these things, but it's only through prayer when you really are able to then see God strengthening you and then you're able to then overcome by his power and his might. So we got to fight with God's might. And the way we do that is we stay focused. And as we stay focused, then we're going to be able to stand firm because we know what the truth, uh, the truth is. And part of staying focused is recognizing the enemy, knowing that he's around, prowling around. Resist him proactively. Don't be passive about it. Take some measures, draw boundaries, do whatever you need to do. Spend some time with God. You're resisting him, declaring things. 
And as you do that, you will begin to reorient or restructure your mind in such a way towards eternal things. I want to close by showing this a minute and 50 some second video. It's a short video, but it's a collage of just different pictures artistically done, but also there are key phrases and things that are mentioned for you to remember who you are, who I am in Christ. And so that every single time we face spiritual warfare, spiritual battle, that we can overcome with the truth as we learn how to depend on Him and trust in Him and fighting not with our own strength or might, but with God's as we stay focused and also stand firm. So let's watch this together and then we'll come back and close out with some worship. As you saw that video, just great reminder for us that it is a battle every single day. Things that we face in our lives. And I just feel like more than anything else, we could talk about spiritual warfare. We can try to analyze spiritual warfare. But at the end of the day, what we need more than anything else is we need to be in prayer. So I'm going to invite us, wherever you are, can, can we just stand? I know some of us, it might be more comfortable in your bed or sitting there in your chair. But I want to challenge us. Let's, let's just stand together. There's something about standing. We talked about that, standing in His grace. So let's just kind of line ourselves up with that phrase of standing. And we're going we're gonna to declare the truth of God, who we are, who God is, His might, His power, that He will help us to overcome. And what I'm praying for is this, that every single one of us in our church, that no matter what it is that we're facing, I know some of you are going through some difficult things, some of you are going through some confusing things and I believe that there is a spiritual warfare if some of you have ever taken a step forward in obeying God and trying to live for God Satan's not happy he's going to come at you in so many different ways to cause doubt and different things to come your way but I want to believe just like Peter was sharing what you're going through there are other people who are going through it as well and by God's grace, we're going to be able to overcome together. That's the encouragement. That it's God's power, His strength, as we learn to depend on Him. But there are other people who are also going through that, trusting in God at the same time. And when we come together, there's that, that much more power, anointing in our lives. So I'm going to just ask us at this moment, if we, as we're standing, if we could just bow our heads for a moment. And I'm thinking... In the next six some days or just maybe five days on Friday we're going to have a good Friday celebration or the service and then on Sunday we're going to have Easter celebration and then the baptism let's prepare ourselves for this coming week that I believe that this might be a heightened spiritual warfare because we're going to be remembering the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ we don't need to be afraid because Christ has already given us the victory. And so we're not trying to fight for victory. We're fighting from victory. We have this victory. And now we're fighting out of that to continue to push Him further back so we have no strongholds in our lives. So as you're standing there, can we just 
lift our voices together as one. No matter where you are, just all across the world, just all across Hong Kong, let's just lift our voices together. And I want us to pray. Pray that God will strengthen us with His grace. And God will strengthen us with His power, His might. And let's pray for a spirit of protection over our church. That in this coming week, there's going to be a greater spiritual war, or war that will happen. But we believe that God will protect every single one of us. Some of you in your um, Zoom uh, life group kind of hang out if you guys are still together in that way. Why don't you pray for some of those people, some of those faces that you see. And right in front of you, just lift them up. And let's pray that God will do amazing things this coming week because of His power and His grace as we fight this fight together. Can we just pray together for about a couple minutes? Let's lift our voices. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Mission Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net.